The UN says that humanity stands on the brink of catastrophic man-made climate change. But is it true? Not a chance. But we do stand on the brink of catastrophic government policies that threaten to ruin the nation our forefathers built and defended against tyranny. So what drives the climate scare, Jay? Besides simple ignorance, the scare is driven by corporate greed and the desire of governments to control all aspects of our lives, Tom. Is this part of something more sinister? Indeed it is. Whether it's climate change or a pandemic or socialism, it really means sacrificing your rights and accepting the tyranny of the fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy. It must be stopped. This is The Other Side of the Story with Dr. Jay Lair and Tom Harris of the International Climate Science Coalition. Our guest today is Pennsylvania-based Joe Bastardi, one of America's most prominent and talented weather and climate experts. Joe is also an amateur bodybuilder, having won the National Amateur Bodybuilding Association American Championships. At 66, he's a sterling example of how to stay fit as we age. Joe has a long background in both meteorology and athletics. His father was a meteorologist, and Joe had his own weather forecasting station at Penn State University by his junior year, where he was also a standout wrestler. This armed him for the abuse he would take later in his career for telling the truth about climate change and extreme weather. Joe uses science as few weathermen do because he is chief forecaster for Weatherbell, an organization that is paid to forecast weather by companies whose economic futures depend on it. Joe just published a new book titled The Weaponization of Weather in the Phony Climate War. We'll include a link to this outstanding book when this radio show goes to podcast on Monday. Everyone needs to watch Joe's superb keynote presentation weaponizing hurricanes at the 13th International Climate Change Conference in Washington, D.C. He even had a call from someone calling himself Donald Trump right in the middle of his presentation. We'll include a link to all that after the podcast. Joe concluded his talk in Washington by saying, nature is in control, not man, and hurricanes are a way of showing that. Don't be fooled when they're weaponized. So welcome to the show, Joe. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm among legends here, you know. So uh, with, with, you, with, with you and Jay, I guess this is one of these uh, blessings every once in a while the good Lord bestows upon me. So I, I, I've really been looking forward to this. In fact, I look forward to it so much. I actually was training before I came in to get myself fired up. So that's... Oh. <laughs> well, you know, Joe, uh, Joe uh, Tom and I never quit training. It's funny. Uh, the three of us fairly unique at our age. Uh, Tom is about the same as you. I'm 20 years older. I pretty much have billed myself as the healthiest 85-year-old on the planet. There are no days in which I don't work out at least two hours. I really go for three a lot of the times. And just like you say, you get yourself revved up with a workout to do intellectual work. And uh, the two, for me, go together. I've already had a three-hour workout this morning, and then I went to work and wrote a, uh, a new essay for one of the channels uh, that I work for. So they, they do fit. Well, I want to start off, Joe, with asking you the first question. Being a prominent uh, weather expert for a long time, 
when did you first get involved in the global warming fraud? First of all, the, the globe is warming. The uh, attribution and the cause of why it's warming is what the uh, argument is about. In fact, back in the 70s, when Bill Gray said that the, uh, we were going to go into a warmer cycle and hurricanes were going to come back because we weren't getting a lot of hurricanes back then. I've always, uh, you know, because of my dad's background, been into hurricanes. I said, oh, boy, let's, let's get this back, right? Uh, because, in fact, if you look at our, our, pre-season, our, our preseason forecast and our winter forecast had a lot of basis to do with how the month of May last year went. Part of that uh, was because of my father saying to me, he noticed when there were a lot of hurricane hits on the U.S. coast, the following Christmas was usually a white Christmas in Rhode Island. I started dissecting some of the things he said. And by the, by the way, my dad is still a meteorologist. Once you're a meteorologist, you're always a meteorologist. You may never be practicing it. But that degree was hard for both of us to get. So we, when someone says, well, he was, I always say he is. But, um, and he still questions me, believe me. But uh, in any case, when we got back into the warming cycle, uh, it was expected. You know, when someone tells me something's going to happen and it starts happening, I listen to him. And so William Gray was uh, really started opening my eyes to this whole thing with the uh, global warming situation. Uh, He became quite vocal about it, and rightfully so, because if you nail a forecast and then you got a uh, cup of thoughts like Al Gore saying, oh, it's because of this, who had has absolutely no basis for even being involved in this. By that, I mean guys like uh, Dr. Gray, my dad, myself, we've loved this thing, uh, the weather and climate since uh, first memory, right? So then you got uh, these opportunists coming along and they do what they do and they simply create a cottage industry, which of course is a counter cottage industry too, which comes up because there are going to be people that stand up against that. I. I just wonder that if the good Lord above appeared tomorrow and said, okay, here's the reason all this is happening, okay, um, what would happen? Like, I, I think about that stuff. Oh, oh, you're all out of jobs. I'm not out of a job. doesn't matter to me if the, the man in the moon is throwing fairy dust into the atmosphere. I have to deal with the implications of how the planet's warming and where it's warming most. And the idea that you can take step one and then say it's a disaster coming is ludicrous. There's just as much. That's why I call it a phony climate war. That's number one. One of the and these people that come out and say, oh, look, I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. You know what? If you've served in the armed forces, then you can you can tell me what that is. These these guys are all wannabes. All right. So the reason my book is the way it is, is. Uh, you know, I'm a phony warrior. I'm saying the phony warrior. It's a satire. And if you notice, I'm shooting daisies. I like shooting climate <laughs> daisies at people. Well, that and means- Joe, oh! Joe I, I love you bringing up uh, Bill Gray. He was a dear friend of mine. I don't know if you knew him well personally, but I did. And uh, I had occasion to have lunch with him and his daughter uh, at his house not very long before he passed away. But he was one of the greats in, uh, in meteorology. And just like you, he had the strength of his convictions and was frequently paddling upstream, as you do. And uh, he was usually correct. So he definitely uh, was one of my heroes. Well, 
the, the secret, the secret is, with, the, with, with that and to be able to continue to stand is to focus on the truth and the goal and not worry about what the crowd around you is doing. If, you, if you're going to perform for uh, other people, you simply become their puppet. So what you do is you try to keep your focus on the, uh, the bigger picture. And then by process, uh, by process, you continue to advance toward what the truth is. You know, there's a, you know it, when I do my talks now, there, and again, people have different ideas on, you know, the creation and all that stuff. But they're, they're four. I, I got to I got to say this to people. There are four. Four Bible verses that nail it. Now, Proverbs 25, 2 is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search it out as the glory of kings. Okay. So, so a lot of times things are concealed from you to get you to go and, and push yourself. Number two is the heavens declare the glory of God. Number three is Ezekiel. Uh, there's the Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, the President Trump was calling in again. It's actually <laughs> Garrett that was calling in, but he was President <laughs> Trump. In that and the final thing is, remember, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul nailed this whole thing with all these people that are telling you they know tomorrow. Those who know what they know don't yet know what they ought to know, right? And <laughs> if you circle around, Jay, and, uh, and back to the uh, the top, the back, the a book called The Half-Life of Facts, the uh -huh. knowledge is expanding so quickly, right? And the arrogance of thinking that what you see now is the total picture is beyond comprehension to me. And, you know, the, 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 one, of the, one of the things I tell people is, and, you know, people think, oh, you should be self-deprecating, all this stuff. My dad's always saying, no, it doesn't sound like, listen, if I'm the dumbest man in the room, that means if I want to win, I will do anything, see anything, even if it's someone on the other side. If they have a good point, I'm either going to counter that point and get stronger or that point has to become mine. I still get stronger. That same person just focused. Oh, this is it. I'm the one. Blah, 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 blah. Guess what? You're going to fall because the majesty of the atmosphere is so great and so infinite that there's no way you keep up with it. That's what Gray used to. He used to show those models and where they go after four or five years. There's like a, just a huge, uh, what do they call it, a spider web or bird's nest of what models do. And it's just, uh, you work with this stuff every day and you fall in love with it. The other problem is, well, I am in love with it. Someone goes and drags something that I love through the mud. Guess what? I'm going to defend it. And that's exactly what's going on here, that you've got a bunch of people and uh, William Gray, you know, I don't, I don't like calling people names or anything like that. Uh, Jay thinks I'm too nice. But the fact is, William Gray nailed it as far as um, this is almost like prostitution. That's, that's They're using it. And listen, you want to go do that over there? You know, I'm a libertarian. Go on and do it. You have free will, free choice. Just don't drag me into hell with you. I mean, that's what's crazy about everything I see going on. Yeah. We had a situation where, uh, I, I won't get into it, but I link COVID and climate in my, um, in my book. And I'm glad I put those chapters in because it turned out to be one of the best forecasts I ever made as to what they were going to do. We got the, the whole COVID shutdown is just a rehearsal for what they want to do in climate. The thing is, if you're vaccinated, that vaccine works. What the heck are you afraid of me for? Right. Well, how would you, how would you like me to go tell you 
hey, I want you to quit drinking. I want you to get your body fat to under 6%. I want you to constantly be testing your oxygen supply. I want you to stay out of this place or that place. It's, it's, it's absolute insanity. And what's happening is uh, misery and Marxism go hand in hand. So, you know, there's four books I always recommend. All right. My, by the way, Mike Schellenberger, that guy has guts out the wazoo to do what he's doing. I mean, it's one thing to be me and, uh, you know, be doing this stuff all the time. It's another thing to come from the other side. But Alex Epstein's The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. I think the weaponization of weather, my book, uh, because it shows factual ideas of, of how this is nonsense. OK, I just simply get five storms that beat this storm that they say worse worse ever. I think that uh, Mark Morano's book, Green Fraud, is good, but they all dovetail right into Levin's book, American Marxism. And that's what this is about. This, that's why it's phony. It's you know, I'm reading. Uh, it's on the top of my desk right now. I'm about a third of the way through Mark Levin's uh, book, yeah. and it really is uh, outstanding. Yeah, what it's about, it's about, the, it's about this idea. Listen, there's two ways to grow. Nature, in almost all cases, grows bottom up toward, a, uh, toward the sun, okay? All right? So one can say, well, it's the sun beating down. Yeah, but everything grows from the bottom up toward it, all right? Everything strives, to, strives for the light. That's the one way, bottom up. But when you get a bunch of people, and this is why I get real spiritual, that go right off the bat, it's a spiritual book. You get people, listen, you don't have to believe in God. But I don't believe any other group of people is God. And I don't believe any other group of people or a single man has the right to tell another man what to do. That's what I tell people all the time. Don't believe me. Go, look, go actually look for yourself. But we've grown so complacent and comfortable in this society that we don't go look for ourselves. We want mm -hmm. stuff done for us. We don't want yeah. to exercise. So uh, or just give me the shot, will you? Or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just. And there's nothing I can do about it. I try to tell people the truth that want to listen and tell them, go look for yourself. Well, you know, I can't do the work for you. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. funny. Uh, just before Tom uh, jumps in, the lower level of our house, I guess the basement, is a full gymnasium like any professional gym you've ever been in. And as a side job, my wife and I uh, ran a little business where people came and we, uh, we trained them. But what you just said, they want a shot. They want a magic bullet. People are really not willing uh, to work today to reach uh, the goals that they, they seek. They want the easy, the easy way. And I think that's more and more in society today. Yeah, get too smart for our own good. We don't understand. I mean, you know, uh, Judge Smales in Caddyshack just summed my life up. The world needs ditch diggers, too. So I figure I'm the best <laughs> ditch digger out there. I think that, you know, when you when you look at stuff, when I go to meetings, whether I go to a guy that's uh, on the other side of the issue or people on our side of the issue, you know, when I, when I come out and show up every once in a while, every single person I meet, I'm like, that person's smarter than me, but they're never going to outwork me. By outwork, I mean outplay since I love doing it so much. People binge watch whatever. I binge watch weather maps. Weather Prediction Center has a uh, library that goes back to 1872. And we had weather maps back then. Well, it took a week to make the weather map, but they were all in there. So I'm oh, sitting yeah. there going, oh, this is, this is like candy. 
because I get to look at stuff. I mean, in the old days, I had to go into the Penn State archive room, and I would, we, you know, it's the same thing. My dad at A and M, he was, he used to, um, you know, close the weather station at A and M. I wound up closing the weather station at Penn State, but I had to put all, all the maps from the day into one bundle and then store them. So they were back there. So I'm like, oh my gosh, it was. I, I I'll tell you what, you know, you know, if a a girl is loyal to you. If your date on a Saturday night is, hey, let's go up to the weather station. Look at weather. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. So, so, Joe, you know, how do you actually define the difference between climate and weather? I think a lot of people get the two mixed up. Well, they're, they're sort of like cousins. I, uh, you know, any stretch of weather can be climate. For instance, is it one year, 10 years, five years, recent, recent uh, activity? So some people... You know, you get you get people going back, uh, you know, five, 10, 20 million years. All right. And looking at the climate through then and then you get uh, through a lens of uh, what's up close. The fact is that the feedback uh, when the oceans are warmer like this is a, is a bit different from the feedbacks when, when the ocean's colder. So, yeah, I keep reminding my kumba, Joe DeLeo. I said, you know, he'll show me, hey, look at this analog from this and this and this year. And I said, Joe, you can't just equally weight them. You've got to go and figure, well. If the water was colder then, let's say you have a, you know, I get in fights with people with a PDL, for instance. Oh, we got a cold PDL. This has to happen. I go, well, wait a minute. oscillation, right? Yeah, right. It's based on, it's based on the difference in temperatures in some areas. What if the PDO is like, oh, we got a negative 1.5 PDO. Yeah, but what if the entire ocean surface is a half degree Celsius warmer? It's going to give you a different feedback. That's all that's to it. And I mean, you can see the thumbprint of water vapor on uh, that, that's what that's what the thumbprint is. The, the increase of water vapor in the air, because if you you warm the oceans, there's more water vapor. And then what happens is the water vapor, once it gets spreads out, it'll be spread out across the entire uh, three dimensional aspect of the atmosphere will make more of a difference in the Arctic regions during their winters than it will in the temperate regions. Why is it this is how you can get Al Gore or any of these guys. You say, okay, you ask them first, what's your perfect temperature? What's your per- perfect CO2 level? So they don't know what the heck they're going. And you try, it's like just being a lawyer. You go, oh, I want it one half degree colder. Oh, do you do? So you want to starve out 2 billion people because of the changes in agriculture. Or I want CO2 down here. You do? So you want plants to start dying. And so you, you turn it around on them because they have no idea what the implications are. They don't. It's fascinating watching this go on from with educated people should know better. There are limits to warming. And the reason there are limits to warming is the warmer it gets, the harder it is to get warmer. It's like a guy with a 400 pound bench press. He has to kill himself to get to 425. You have a 100 pound bench press. And you just start working out. You're up. Hey, look at this. In two weeks, I gained, you know, 25 pounds. People don't understand that. It's called La Chatier's principle, right? I mean, you had to learn that the first week of chemistry class in any system that has something, something introduced to it, not involved in the system, will immediately begin to readjust to a new balance, not take, take off like a tipping point. And that's why you see the climate models are so absurd. They're absurd, and I'll tell you why. What they do is they say, oh, wait a minute. The climate model sees it's warmer up here, cooler down here. 
We can't have that. It naturally wants it colder in the north. That's the way the weather's supposed to work. Spreads out the warmth throughout the globe, feeds back on itself, and then starts taking off. See what I'm saying? And that's not, that's not what's going on. The biggest thing you watch is where are you trapping, trapping hot spots in the tropics? Why is it global tropical cyclone activity increasing? In fact, you just had the biggest climate event that's occurred this year was in the Western Pacific. One landfalling, landfalling typhoon, one, a minimal landfalling typhoon in the entire typhoon season. They average 10 landfalls a year, for goodness sakes. The other thing is the total shutdown of global tropical activity during the month of October, Pacific, Atlantic. I mean, it's, it's amazing what's happened. It's a sign that the atmosphere, the warming is distorted. Well, so what happens? Let's say there's a bit more energy. Ah, there's a little bit more energy in the atmosphere. Okay, fine. If it's warming to the north more than to the south, it decreases the zonal potential energy. What's zonal potential energy? It's the difference in temperature between north and south. You're explaining the complexity and a good explanation of why the climate models are absurd. I've been writing about that for, for 30 years. Why then... People who know we can't predict the weather hardly better than 50-50, seven days out. There's seven-day forecast. Well, that's for them, local. Jay. Jay. Right. Well, Jay. Why, why just, do hold, they hold pay attention if I were to decades-long predictions? I wouldn't have a job, which may, may say something about that. Do you realize we told our clients in Europe and the eastern United States to watch out for colder than normal November and December? We told them in May. All right, because of methodology. So there are ways of seeing those trends, but you have to go look at the past, not look at the darn models. It's amazing what I'm watching here going on. It's like the average kid is happy with his iPad and looking at it and all that. That's not where you gain knowledge. You gain knowledge through reading and, and, and things like that. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like watching Rocky go back and train old school so he could beat Drago. Right. I, it, it, there's certain things that always the foundation always work. And my father taught me that. He said the foundation you stand on today was built yesterday to reach for tomorrow. And you see it all across the society that we want to destroy the foundation of yesterday because we think we're so smart about what we know tomorrow. So it's a it's a matter of arrogance. It's a matter of people playing God, people playing, uh, you know, the hero. I'm going to create a straw man and then fight him. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. It's going on with everybody. They're honest brokers on the other side. I read their stuff all the time. But look, my brother has a saying, what you own owns you. If for 30 years, all you've done is preach global warming is being caused by man and the planet's going to blow up, you can't turn back. All right. Yeah, you say, well, Joe, you're on the other side of the issue. I could care less except about making a weather forecast. I love the weather. It's so like the weather is my wife and climate's my sister-in-law. So what happens is I, I still respect my sister-in-law, but it, it's not like it, it owns me. What does your company do and what are the kind of clients that come to you where weather is so important to them that they pay you for a forecast? Well, uh, you know, you've got retail companies, salt companies, hedge funds energy companies, okay? It's across the board, de-icing companies, it's across the board. 
people have to know. Do you realize, okay, we're having, we're, there's, a, there's a salt shortage beginning to develop already globally, all right? Supply, supply chains are starting to fall apart, right? So if most of the salt is mined in Spain, what's going to happen if the winter turns as harsh as we believe it's going to turn? What are you going to do, right? So if a company knows that five, six months in advance, they don't go all in, but let's say they get 10% ahead. I'll give you an example. My de-icing company told me the, the cost of making de-icing fluid is now three times higher than it was a year ago. Three times higher. Now, who? Oh, that can't be Trump's fault, right? This is, this is what's nuts. This is what's nuts about this. People don't understand this. Look, I may be wrong, but I can come to no other conclusion that the the policies from climate to whatever are meant to take down the foundations that made this country great. I can't, I can't figure it out any other way. Now, maybe I'm just stone stupid, uh, but what else? Why would you do what you're doing? Why would you? No, no, you are, you're, you're, Joe, okay, you're guys. exactly, you're exactly correct. I'm, I mean, I've been I'm, preaching, I've been preaching this for 30 years. I mean, the whole climate change issue has had no other purpose but to take down capitalism, to take down the yeah, United and States. Happened, and let me tell you what happened. You had a bunch of people. This is the problem I keep saying to people. Oh, climate, only 4% of the people care. Yeah, but guess what? They can tip an election, especially with what's going on today. I mean, never mind that. But 4% start, oh, well, well, we, we, we have to have climate. What kills me is you take, you take uh, Greta Thunberg. Okay, and the rest of Gore or whatever. You could not do what you're doing if it wasn't for the advances made in fossil fuels. These guys, oh, it's worse ever. How come there one quarter the amount of human beings on the earth in 1930, but there was 28 times more climate and natural uh, death causes of natural by natural disaster in 1930 than there is today? How the heck is that happening? It's like people don't even look at the tornado statistics. All right. They just say, oh, look, there's a tornado on YouTube. And look, it's climate change. It is. It's a loony bin. All right. It's like my uncle used to have this book called Driving Among the Idiots. Sometimes I think that. And I, 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 I look at stuff and I go, you can't possibly be doing this by accident. You can't be doing it. You can't make it up. You look, if, folks, if you ever read Cloward Piven, the way to, way to bring down, the two Marxists in 1969, Columbia, wrote the way to bring down the American society. Just to overload it. Just, what do you see going on today, right? Create shortages. Create shortages so people have to turn to some authority, all right? And, you know, when you get into the, the first chapter of my book, it was a spiritual realm. Okay, again, if you don't believe in God, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk you into that. But what I'm saying is, if there is God, if government, if you're dependent on government, it's certainly going to get in the way of God because you're going to sit there and go instead of instead of praying to the good Lord above, you'll be you know praying to whoever can give you whatever you need to just survive the next day. So it's mm -hmm. a it's a hard, it's a it's a perfect storm all coming together and feeding back. And the shame is that the people that should have gotten out in front of this, that should have taken it seriously, won't do it. They absolutely won't do it. The other thing is, too, you got to use you got to try to slip these people. 
you gotta you gotta say like uh, Jay and I, uh, you know, first of all, what I believe about CO two is just like what the CO two coalition believes, right? But that's not the problem. The problem is that everybody everybody's been brainwashed into thinking CO two is some evil gas that's going to kill them, right? It's crazy. All right. Now I believe this. I'm like Spencer. I believe this in attribution and Will Happer. It's positive overall. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I believe. But the fact of the matter is, that's not how your average 21 through 50 year old believes. I live over here at Penn State. I know, I know what's going on. All right. I talk to guys that are really smart, and they're like, "Well, no, that's not what the science says, right?" <laughs> so I have this idea. Okay, let's. There's a cheap and inexpensive way to get rid of this. All right. You plant a, you plant a bunch of trees. You go to nuclear power. And with this carbon capture, first of all, the carbon capture thing, you notice how they're doing it? They're making it very, very, very expensive so people make money. Well, it's actually a point of generation carbon capture and stuff doesn't even go out in the air. So I'm sitting there as a meteorologist, I'm saying, okay, listen, let's get rid of it and see who wins. Nobody wants that. Nobody on our side wants it. Nobody on their side wants it. They want to continue to use this because the goal is to disrupt and destroy. I mean, it's just, it's just it's too bad. What has to be the goal is not my goal. It has to just be tell the truth, keep plugging away. My company benefits from the fact and, and people who want to forecast. I don't care what your politics are. If you need a forecast to be right, the guy you want to have is me because I'm not sitting there going, well, I have to skew this forecast because of CO2 or skew it the other way because I don't, but I don't really care. I just care about the answer. All right. And so uh, when you have that bottom line of forecasting every day and you have to compete every day, you learn real quick that you're going to get beat up if you're in the arena every day. You got to learn to get back up and fight back. Well, that's a great place to stop for our break and we'll be right back. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com liberty and justice for all.
So, Joe, can you tell us what was it that led to so many more deaths due to extreme weather early in the 20th century than what we're seeing now? The weather was worse. Hmm. That's one reason with tornadoes. How is it that more people are living in what is uh, known as Tornado Alley, but less people getting killed? Because you had no warning in 1935. But if you have 10 minutes warning now, you could get in your car and be five miles away from a tornado. So nothing is happening where you are. Maybe you may come back that your house is gone. All right. And that part of that is you want to build a house right in the middle of Tornado Alley. There's a chance you're going to get hit by a tornado. That's 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 a fact. It's like, a, you know, how, how dumb are we as people? And, you know, I, I sort of expect damage to increase. Gray was right. There's going to be a half trillion dollar storm someday. You look at Miami Beach. I just can't, I can't even believe the stuff with that. Anybody grew up along the beach knows what sandbars are. Bad enough, they're natural sandbars and they're always changing. Someone got the idea, let's make a man-made sandbar and then put a kajillion tons of concrete on it. And that's what Miami Beach is, right? Well, what do you think is going to happen to a man-made sandbar and one that's been hit by major hurricanes back in the 1940s once or twice every three or four years? I mean, you know, when Trump got elected, now he's going to get it. There's going to be a there's going to be a hurricane to wipe out Miralago. OK, and I'm like, he probably knows that. All right. But he probably understands that he can rebuild it as opposed to former President Obama. He bought a house in what could be one of the dumbest places I've ever seen to buy. It's almost like he wants a hurricane to hit so he could say, ha climate change. OK, if you look at his house and it's a beautiful house. I would love to ride out a hurricane in that house until the waves came and blew the house away. But it's at the top of a funnel-shaped bay, right, facing south. Now, if you look at the 1938 hurricane, the 54 hurricane, and some of these storms, what do you think happens when a 10-foot storm surge enters a 10-mile-wide opening to a bay, and the bay is closing in in a funnel? What happens to that storm surge? How do you think Providence, Rhode Island, 15 feet above sea level, got 13 feet of water driven into it at the top of Narragansett Bay by the 38 hurricane? Well, this is what I'm talking about. If this is so bad, why are banks lending so much money so people could build houses on the beach? See, mm-hmm. and my idea is, look, you want to go build a house on the beach, all right, just make sure you have the money to rebuild it, but not without the taxpayer doing it. And don't tell me it's climate change. Please, if you live on the beach, bad things are going to happen every once in a while. You live in paradise, and for five years, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, a hurricane comes, see, climate change. By the way, you want to do climate change? You know Long Island was hit by a hurricane once every six years from 1938 to 1991. Since then, the I think it's about a 30-year stretch, no hurricanes have hit Long Island. Zero. Zippo. Whoa, how did that happen? We go from one every six years to zero out of 30? What the heck is that, right? So there's all these daisies out there that nobody talks about. For instance, the warming of the oceans, the way the ocean's warming, what is that doing? The Indian Ocean's warming, the Western Pacific's warming. What do you think happens to Africa and Asia? They get warmer. What happens when Africa and Asia gets warmer? It increases the easterlies across the Pacific. What happens when the easterlies increase across the Pacific? 
La Niña's begin to develop. What do La Niña's do? La Niña's decrease the amount of water vapor in the air, and so you start seeing cooling. You can just watch the global temperature go that way. So in a way, if you actually look at what the weather's doing and understand what convective processes in the tropics are up to, you can see, this is no big deal. What's the matter with you? That's like, I don't understand this. What, what happened to the trapping hotspots over the tropics, right? Because if you trap the heat in the tropics, you're in a heap of trouble, all right? You know where it went? You see it warming the Arctic areas. Now, let me tell you about the Arctic. It's warming in the winter. It's not warming in the summer. That should instantly show you, if you know what saturation mixing ratios are, what is causing the Arctic to warm? Because if you in inject just a little bit more water vapor into the air in the Arctic, clouds are going to form, start snowing more. Oh my gosh, Greenland, worst melting season ever. Yeah, well, they had one of their biggest snow seasons ever in Greenland. Guess what? Snow is going to melt from time to time. That's going to happen. It's always happened. So all this stuff is going back and forth in front of me. And I have to try to make sure I don't get too carried away with the noise of these people that are just, you know, clamoring with it, a lot of it's nonsense, all right? And stay focused on the picture so I could do the job for my company. My mm -hmm. company, listen, we're based in New York and I understand 100% why they get nervous about, about you know, we've had, we've, we've lost clients. Uh, people say, listen, I believe in what he's saying, but my shareholders will never tolerate someone that, doesn't believe in climate change. That's the other thing. When someone lies about you, of course I believe in climate change. I, all I argue is that there's attribution when you have all these myriad of huge drivers that have controlled the climate from the beginning, and then all of a sudden, here, we're going to start sticking a little of this in, and that's taking over. I mean, how is that? how does that make any sense? Joe, you are making so much sense. I've known you for years. I've known your work for years. I don't think I've ever understood it as well as I've had in chatting with you for the last half hour. Wow. Uh, when this show goes to podcasts, I hope you will send it to all your clients because I now understand why you have so many clients yeah, and the I kind of clients who depend on the weather so much. And I think the point you made, it's not catastrophic decisions. It may be having 10% more of this product or 10% less of this product based on the weather and understanding what happens in the past will eventually happen uh, in the future. But I'd like to reiterate that we've said over and over again, we all believe in climate change. We just think man's activities have very little to do with it. And the more you understand the complexity of weather, the abs more absurd it is that there are people that think that man's activities control the, the climate of the earth. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah, and I want to say something else, too. People, get, people on my side of the issue get mad. There are a lot of, a lot of people who are, that we demonize, and essentially it comes down to they disagree and disagree vehemently with us just like we disagree and disagree vehemently with them. The people that I think that are uh, just really get to me and have me in prayer to just keep my mouth from saying something 
are the ones that have no knowledge about how things work. I'll give you an example. Michael Mann's studies on the uh, AMO and his ideas on warming, they're like a godsend to me. They are because I go, okay, I see what you're doing over here. I can't disagree with this fact. Now I'm going to hook it in with everything else that I know that you're not even looking at, okay? Which is, that's fine. He don't want to look, I don't care. I mean, you know, but now he has given me something that gives me an up. Well, do, do I care that this guy thinks this or thinks that? If I read somebody say, okay, this guy really means it and this guy believes it and he's looking at something that I'm not looking at, I'm going to, I'm going to look at it. Okay, where I draw the line is what I see going on with the levels beyond that. And, you know, it gets very, very seductive to be, you know, most most weathermen and climatologists. I mean, we we're all geeks and nerds. We were the guys that were picked on. And now, oh, we're in power. Right. Especially the you realize the climate, the climate guys when I was in college were like the low people on the totem pole. It's like it's the revenge of the nerds over here. Like <laughs> there were the dynamists, the professors who just, you know, yeah, okay, you want to go try to forecast and want to go. Uh, then there were us, the synopticians, and then there were climate guys. And we used to have a joke at Penn State. Yeah, climatology is for people who can't forecast the weather and for good reason. But on the other hand, they, uh, they serve an essential purpose and have made my life easier in many, many situations, especially since they only research something, you know, let's come up with the means and all that. They don't go digging into every storm. Why did the 1950 storm happen around, you know, Ohio State, Michigan? If you ever look at what happened with that, the wind gusted to 113 out of the east in Newark, New Jersey, 108 miles an hour in the battery. There was 20 inches of snow during the Ohio State, uh, Michigan game. So how did that happen? Right. How did this happen? How did that happen? No curiosity about that. It's just mm-hmm. it's just washed out. I've already I'm already forming a vision for next uh, summer and next hurricane season. But I'm forming that vision based on past patterns that I've seen over the years run the way they run. I'm You're also basing it on something. real real world data, whereas these people, I guess, aren't they? Eh? Well, no, they're looking at the models. They're outsourcing their ability and their work to the models. I just mm-hmm. don't. I just can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. listen, the models, the models are right 90% of the time. That leaves 35 days out of the year from 10 days away that if I nail that forecast, you realize what an advantage my clients have? Man, I think about that all the time. Joe, you know, Joel Myers said it best, all right, Dr. Joel Myers. He said, all these guys, they're into the weather. They don't realize it's a service industry. I was sort of, I was sort of insulted by that. Oh, what do you mean? I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's? No. <laughs> the thing is that you have to do what you have to do to be right. Okay. It can't just, you can't just laugh off being wrong. I got so many scars from being wrong, but guess what? You can always see those scars, so it reminds you of a wrong, and the skin heals stronger on a scar, right? So what happens is, and I wish I was more intuitive, and I wish I was smarter. But I generally learn by correction, all right? The weather will correct me. And when you start getting corrected enough, if you are a fighter, if you like to compete, you learn how to recognize things real quick, all right? 
and then you just move on. It's so it's so much hooked in with training and all this other stuff. I people people look at me like I got three heads or something. I say you can't believe how much how close this is to training. Like, like what are you talking about? Well, it's preparation. It's grunt work. It's and and to me the forecast. The reason why I compete so much in bodybuilding still is because it sets a bottom line. I like bottom lines. I like to be driven by something that can say, you lost, you are wrong. What did you do wrong? Okay. So that's, that, that, that link, that links me. It's, it's yeah. you know, just so, the way so you're getting, you have a better record than, than most weather forecasters because you're using real data. Whereas in fact, well, they're using I don't want to say better. You know, the only thing I, the only thing I could tell you is I'm not going to find out how good I am until I meet my heavenly father. If he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I know I, I was, uh, I, I did what I was supposed to do. That's what you, listen, that's how I am. I decided this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go as hard as, uh, as I can at it. I have problems with bias confirmation. Well, by that, I mean, we all do. We all try to, I'm not lumping people in, but we all tend to try to look at things the way we think we want them to happen. So we got to deal with that. We have bias. We have other problems. Like, do you want to see something happen? It's called wish casting as opposed to forecasting. Okay. Something new comes like today, for instance, the U S model comes in and it's very warm day 10 through 15. Right. And I'm predicting it to be cold day 10 through 15. So the, the natural gas market reacts to that. And I'm telling my clients, listen, you look at that and you look at what's going on in Europe. How does that make sense? How, so what happens is that people will instantly outsource to the model. What I did is I go, I'll go look at the weather in Europe and know that, and this is why the medieval warm period was not local. All right. Like Dr. Mann says, if he, if he forecasted the weather, he would understand that you don't just get warm in one area of the world. The reason it's warm in that area is because of things that are happening around it. And chances are that warming is also force, forcing warming in other areas. It, it doesn't work where, oh, just one area is warm and the rest of the world is, you know, was cold. So when I see that, when I see that, that going on, I said, you got to, you, you know what? In, in climatologists, they should long range forecast for two years. That should be a part of a climatology uh, curriculum. And then they would get a better understanding that they're not God and neither is the model. But in yeah. any case, Europe, Europe is frigid, but the Eastern United States is warm. You go to the European model, Europe is frigid. The Eastern United States is cold in the 10 to 15. So my suspicions is, and that agrees with what the analogs say. It's amazing what I did. I went back and I looked at the years we laid out for our clients to watch for back in the month of May. And I said, if I were to use those years and you want to forecast for November 30th, uh, 2021, I can't, I can't even believe it. I freaked out. I was on Twitter going, look at this. A seven-month analog package predicts what the models are now predicting on November 30th. Now, that doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough to show you that you're on the right track. I think Chicago the entire winter is 1.5 below normal. All right. Mm -hmm. From November through March. That's why I think Chicago is going to average. So what I do is at the end of the winter, I go back. The temperature is a metric. You got mm -hmm. how much snow, Joe? Well, if Chicago averages 40 inches. I think there's going to be 125 percent of snowfall. They should get about 50. 
right? So that's how you do that, right? But those are actual things. Joe's saying 1.5 below normal and 50 inches of snow in Chicago. So when it's all over, when the last flake falls, because sometimes it'll snow into April, I'll, I'll look and grade it. It actually snowed into May a couple of times. And then uh, I look at the temperatures, you know, and, and my companies know, okay, if I get 1.5 below normal, what we do is we do 20-day forecast, monthly forecast, seasonal forecast, five-month forecast, and we go out, believe it or not, to 180 days now. And I'll tell you what, that darn 180-day forecast, at times I don't even want to change it. 20 days in advance because it's what do I what do I change right but it's actual metrics of the weather can you imagine going to Las Vegas and betting a probability of a win let's say I think there's a 40 percent chance that the uh, Phillies are going to win the National League East all right well let's say there's five teams in the National League East every one of them has a one in two uh, uh, one in five chance of winning I happen to think there's a two and five chance. Do I get credit if the Phillies actually win? No, that you either have to make the call or you don't make the call. So this whole probability thing, you gotta understand, we use Breyer scores, we square our errors. So the object is if you wanna get money from Congress, you simply, you simply get close to the probability and square your error. And of course, if your error is 0.05, you square it, it's only 0.025 or whatever. And you show an increase in skill. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a, but so, nobody so knows. This winter, this winter yeah. then, with the supply shortages, is going to be a real problem, especially well, in Europe. Right, right, right. No, Tom, Tom, Tom. I've been writing this stuff in CFAC for months. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. months. Right. I, first of all, I showed people the forecast on July 7th. Then I had the article on we're going to get steamrolled by the left again. Because here's what they, they go, uh, Texas, you've got to admire the left. They know how to fight. All right. They, due to Obama era regulations, Texas had to set up so 20 to 25% of the grid relies on wind power, right? Not only that, but the, the natural gas compressors rely on the, electricity's, the electricity from the wind, the, solar, the wind, wind turbines. What happens if the turbines go down? Then there's no natural gas anymore getting pushed to, pushed to market. And then AOC comes back in Monday morning and says, see, fossil fuels, natural gas failed. And in the meantime, that is the most frustrating thing that ever that in the weather. I was trying uh, to- Joe, Joe, let me, let me interject oh. here. Uh, of course, we know that in uh, February, Texas was really within five minutes of the entire Texas grid going down, which would have cost uh, billions of dollars and did, thousands Jay. of lives. Hey, that was a disaster. That's a worst. It, well, it was, but it could have been a lot worse. I am writing a three-part series that will start being published at CFAC next week explaining that we have 60,000 wind turbines in the United States, and they do not contribute a single kilowatt of power to any of our three grids east west and texas people still believe that wind has value it has right. zero right. value because we have to back it up 100 percent with fossil fuel people do not understand that here's the thing i've been writing on this whole texas situation for quite some time all right but what i'm trying to say is listen wind and solar power is like glutamine 
Glutamine is a supplement. I take it every day. It can't be your main diet. That's all that's to it. It, it, can, it can help supplement. It can't be the type of thing where, oh, I'm going to go out to eat and I'm going to order a glutamine pie. That's not going to happen. All right. <laughs> These guys want to do this. But let me get back to what I was saying in Texas. I want you to understand this. Okay. We had that predicted a week away. I have the biggest construction company in Texas. All right. As a client, they had already bought up on the Wednesday before the freeze, all the generators they could get their hands on. The Biden administration, and I'm going to tell you something, I have it too. They weren't paying attention. They should have been winterizing that state five to seven days in advance. All right. What do I mean by winterizing the state? Well, there's only so much you could do about the whole grid thing. But if you have all the salt ready to go into the state, if you have the roads that could get plowed, you can get the tankers to market. You could have people ready. Then it, it, you can't make up what is what went on in Texas. Following that, people were crammed in shelters. There's a big COVID spike. And Biden's sending people across the border. And you know why he's doing that? The COVID spike was probably because of all those people crammed into shelters, for one. And it's cold. There was, there was spikes all across the South four or five weeks after that cold outbreak. Plus, you have undocumented people coming in. I understand people. That's the other thing. Why are we such a lousy country if everybody wants to come in and live here? That's another story for another time. So uh, what that was done was to, to try to push on Abbott and Cruz and the rest of them. Now, in defense of them, they finally called me Friday night. I said nothing about this. I said absolutely nothing. I mean, I told my wife, I told the wrestling coaches over here because I think it's pretty cool that Ted Cruz is calling me, right? All right. But the fact is, I didn't say anything. And then uh, Senator Cruz got on with Hannity and said that they knew about this and all this, that Bastardi was involved. And what do you think happens? The left hammers me. Fringe meteorologist, right? Well, you know what? Maybe I'm on the fringe because I actually work at my job and get forecasts right. But the mm -hmm. fact of the matter is, this is set up. They have what they have done is constructed a situation. I believe we have six days of coal on here. If it gets gets real cold, you get 10 days of, of, of wicked cold into the country. You're going to be having blackouts. So I wrote the, there's an article in CFAC, October 1st, Biden blackouts. And there's also an article September 24th about how we're going to get steamrolled again because nobody wants to bring this up before. Sure, you're bringing it up, Jay. Right. But where is it on Fox? You know, I've pitched this thing to Tucker a thousand times. All right. To his guy, because every once in a while they put me on Tucker just to say, get out in front of it. And so and I'm, I'm, I'm developing my own YouTube station called the big, not YouTube, rock thing. OK, called the Big Cat of Climate. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be putting stuff out before showing how it happened before setting the traps so people can see. I set a trap for that Texas freeze from nine days away. I baited the left because I knew they weren't. You know what they were doing? Let's impeach Trump. And so what happened was I got mad. And you could tell the emotion in my voice. My contacts, I had Newsmax, CBN. I said, guys, let's do a two-minute Q&A on Wednesday. Get out front of this. No. All they want to do is talk about the impeachment. So we'll put our impeachment experts on against your impeachment experts. It's a, it's a joke. We should not be in this position. The people that can do something, especially in the, in the, in the halls of government, 
they don't really care. They don't mm-hmm. care enough to, I mean, read the dictator's handbook. I think you'll, you'll see. Well, I, I think, uh, Joe, you're exactly right. They don't care. We need a total uh, change of government. And I'm the most optimistic person uh, in the country today because I think, well, I actually think it began in Virginia a couple of weeks ago uh, with the election of a handful of terrific people. So, Joe, I certainly see why people hire you for the weather bell forecast. It's obviously very, very valuable to all kinds of organizations. So this is Tom Harris and Jay Lair with our guest, Pennsylvania-based Joe Bastardi, one of America's most prominent weather and climate experts, signing out from the other side of the story.